1: This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through First Thessalonians.
2: Demonic motor vehicles. You ever been into that place? Just can't stand going in that place little things will test you little little tiny things will test you and then the big things the big things will test you an illness a divorce death of a loved one bankruptcy all kinds of things will test us and in those moments have you ever been startled by what's in your heart If you
1: squeeze an orange, you expect to get orange juice. It would be odd to get something different like, say, pickle juice, wouldn't it? But what happens when you are squeezed in life? What comes out of your heart? Pastor Gary will share that times of testing will come in order to reveal what is inside of us. When Jesus is inside, Jesus is going to come squirting out the fruit of the Spirit is exposed in us in the midst of difficult situations. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection.
2: Thessalonica is the name of the City. It's located in modern Greece. Today, that city is called Salonica. It's a beautiful city uh, right on, on the Aegean Sea, and this is the place where Paul planted a church around 51-52 AD. Acts chapter 17 records that, and it tells us that he only spent three weeks there. After he started this church, people got saved, and it was mostly Gentiles made up also of some Jews who believed in Jesus. As a result of Paul's preaching, and after only three weeks there, this little church starts, but Paul is hustled out of town because some Jews who don't like the message of Jesus have stirred up a riot in Thessalonica, and so Paul basically is hustled away in the middle of the night 50 miles to another city called Berea. The same Jews who are upset with him in Thessalonica go the 50 miles to pursue him in Berea. So then after Berea, Paul is moved on to Athens where he continues his ministry. And so this is his second missionary journey. He's, he founded this church around 51, 52 AD, as I said. And then from Corinth, about a year later, now it's 52, 53 AD, he writes this letter here to the Thessalonians. This is the first of a couple letters. Thus we have first Thessalonians and then following this, Is 2 Thessalonians. And as I mentioned last week, this book is divided really into three themes. He's going to talk about how trials will come, that's chapters 1, 2, and 3. He's going to mention how temptations will come, that's chapter 4. And then he ends this whole thing by saying, and by the way, Jesus will come too. And that's the second coming of Christ, and that's primarily what he talks about in chapter four and five, but actually the reference to the second coming of Christ is at the end of every single chapter. So five chapters, and we mentioned last week, you can take a glance yourself now, at the last verse of every single chapter in this letter, there's some reference to the second coming of Christ. That's where we left off at the end of chapter one. You can just see verse 10, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath so that's where we left off let's take a look here at chapters 2 and 3 so here in chapter 2 if you'll look with me in verse 1 Paul writes here you know brothers that our visit to you was not a failure Uh, literally the Greek means without effect King James says it was not in vain He says, it wasn't a failure. It was not without effect. We had previously suffered and been insulted in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel. Notice it's his gospel. It's God's gospel. It's the good news of the Lord in spite of strong opposition for the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as men approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please men, but God who tests our hearts. Underline that, we'll come back to that. Who tests our hearts. You know we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from men, not from you or anyone else. So let's pause there and understand what he's doing here again. You know, Paul from time to time is going to kind of give his credentials. He's going to uh, try to let them know about the legitimacy of his ministry because wherever Paul went, uh, he had opposition. And because of the opposition that he often sustained, no matter what church he was at, no matter what church he planted, there were some who w- would lean towards the opposition and, and then lose, lose confidence in the message that Paul was preaching. So from time to time, and this is one of them, Paul has to say, look, let me just explain to you the legitimacy of my ministry. And to be honest with you, in these first six verses of chapter two, this is these are great bullet points for anybody who wants to go in the ministry because he's talking here about these are some of the important things that defined my ministry. And he he starts out here at reminding them in verse two that we previously suffered and had been insulted in Philippi. And in Acts chapter 17, you don't need to turn there, but in Acts 17, when the church at Thessalonica was planted, he had just come from Philippi, and his time in Philippi had been met with severe opposition. He had been beaten, he had been flogged, he had been humiliated, and then he was thrown in prison. Now, as many of you know from the book of Acts, there was a great result to his having been thrown in prison, which is the Philippian jailer gets saved and many other prisoners do as well because God brings this wonderful uh, uh, earthquake and the prison gates are opened up and the Philippian jailers this Roman soldier is ready to kill himself. Because in first century Rome, if you were a Roman officer, whatever happened uh, in terms of the people under your watch, you would suffer for. And so here he is, this jailer, and, the, and these prisoners are ready to run free because of this earthquake that's opened up the prison gates. And Paul is there saying, you know, don't kill yourself. Listen, and, and he preaches the gospel. He's taken into the home of this Philippian jailer, preaches the good news. But as a result of the gospel that he had preached in Philippi, he had been severely flogged. Is what the Bible tells us in Acts. He had been severely flogged and imprisoned. By the time then he gets here to Thessalonica, I mean you have to bear in mind, he's still bearing the marks of the flogging on his back from Philippi. I mean he hasn't he hasn't even scabbed over at this point. So he's coming bearing marks of having been whipped and flogged. And and you know the the, the Roman flagellum, I mean it was leather whips with little pieces of glass and 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 metal. And when they would whip someone, I mean, it would it would shred their their backs, literally. And so here Paul comes into Thessalonica. So one of the things he's saying here, basically, to add a little street cred to his ministry is, listen, you don't go around getting whipped for something that's a lie, okay? I've endured suffering for this. This is how much I believe in the truth of the gospel. I know this to be true. God is real. God is powerful. God saves. God redeems. I've been beaten for for this. I've suffered for this. So please note, you know, people aren't every day just whipped for something that isn't, you know, if, if it's a lie, you'd be quick to cry uncle. But because he endured the suffering, it's testimony to the fact, which is true about all the martyrs of the first century. You know, people don't die for a lie. So Paul is saying here to the Thessalonians, listen, I was whipped. I came to you severely beaten from Philippi. That's how much I believe in what I'm sharing with you. But in summary of verses one through six, Paul's defense of his ministry, and again, these are good little pointers for anybody who wants to go in the ministry in general. He's saying about his ministry, no doctrinal error, no impure motives. He says there, we didn't try to trick you, no deception. He said, no attempt was made to please man, but only God, We didn't use flattery, it wasn't about greed, we weren't trying to get your money, and there was no attempt to get praise from people. That's the summary of of what we just read there in verses 1 through 6. And so these are commendable things, and these should be the the aspirations of of everybody who's in in ministry, that there would be no error in doctrine, no impure motives, uh, no deception, And there's just so much of this kind of thing going around, unfortunately, in in, um, some circles. Uh, No attempt to please man, but only God. No flattery, no greed, no attempt to get praise from people. So it's all for the Lord and for his glory. And so Paul is just wonderful about this. He's like, you know, listen. I'm just the vessel. I, I, I'm not here to try to get your money. I'm not using flattery. I'm not, I'm not, uh, in any way trying to, you know, get praise from you. It's all about the Lord, but this, this is a great word of caution for anyone in the ministry or who wants to go in the ministry. Now, I asked you to make note of verse four where he talks about, uh, how we're not trying to please men, but God, who God tests our hearts. God tests our hearts. So that's the question. Why does God test our hearts? Paul makes mention of this, and this is a true statement. God does test our hearts. Why? There are three reasons. And for those of you taking notes, you might want to jot these three down, because if you're not presently in a test, you will be. (laughs) If you're not presently in one, you will be. And one of the reasons God tests our hearts, number one, is to expose what's in my heart. So here's the reference. It's Deuteronomy 8, verse 2. God said, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. Now, the context, of course, of Deuteronomy 8, 2 is when the Israelites were wandering through the wilderness for 40 years on their way from Egypt, where they had been slaves for 400 years, to Israel, the promised land. But along the way, for 40 years, God is testing them to find out what is in their hearts. Now, it wasn't so that God could learn what was in their hearts. He tests them so that they can learn what is in their hearts. God knows everything. God knows everything in our hearts. There's no mystery to God concerning what's in our heart. God knows our hearts. But sometimes we don't. Sometimes it takes some stressor or some event in life that will expose what's in our hearts. And so the wilderness experience for the Israelites was an opportunity to expose what was in their hearts. And they started grumbling and complaining. They started murmuring against God. And they they weren't they weren't loyal to him. They were rebellious against him. And so God knew you're never going to obey my commands if if you aren't thankful for for my deliverance of slavery after 400 years, you're not going to be obeying the rest of my commands. So he tests them in the wilderness. An entire generation dies. It's a very tragic story. An entire generation dies off in the wilderness. And only their children, in addition to Joshua and Caleb from the original generation, but only otherwise the children are going to enter in the promised land. Because the adults, the parents, failed the tests. God tested their heart. What was exposed was their own complaining, critical spirit, ungratefulness toward God, their rebellion in their hearts, and God allowed them the, the pressure of the wilderness to expose those in their heart. Listen, anything that's in a vessel will be made manifest when that vessel gets cracked. You have some, some liquid in a jar, you don't know what it is, crack the jar. What's inside will come out. When you, when you get cracked, all of us are cracked pots from time to time. And when you get cracked, the real you comes out, doesn't it? And there can be little ways that God will test us, little ways, like traffic, <laughs> like the DMV, demonic motor vehicles. You ever been into that place? just can't stand going in that place. Little things will test you. Little, little tiny things will test you. And then the big things, the big things will test you. An illness, a divorce death of a loved one, bankruptcy. All kinds of things will test us. And in those moments, have you ever been startled by what's in your heart? Some situation that comes along and you didn't realize some of the ugly stuff that was in your heart until it got exposed through some test. And sometimes God will allow those tests because he wants us to get rid of what's in our heart that we don't even know until the test reveals it. So sometimes he tests us to expose what's in my heart. Other times he tests us to refine us. This is Psalm 66, 10. For you, O God, tested us, you refined us like silver. The process of refining precious metal is to heat it up in a cauldron. And then the intensity of the heat causes the impurities, to come to the surface so that it could be skimmed off. It's called the dross, and it's only the result of intense heat that refines the precious metal, because only then through the intensity of the heat is the dross removed. So sometimes it's a matter of refining us because God wants to just purify our lives, and he wants to kind of skim off some stuff. And so it's that refining process. Thirdly, it's to mature us. In James 1, verses 2 to 4, it says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops or produces perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So sometimes tests come just simply to Make us stronger and to mature us in our faith. I remember years ago, Terry and I were down visiting in Savannah, Georgia, and they have those beautiful Savannah live oak trees that um, have that Spanish hanging moss from the branches. We've all seen these trees. And I noticed how twisted the trees were. And how they always were leaning in a certain direction. So I asked a guy who was there, like, you know, what's the deal with these with these trees and the whole Spanish hanging moss? They're beautiful. And but I've noticed that they're all they're all twisted and they're leaning in a certain direction. He said, oh, yes, sir. He said they're leaning towards the Atlantic. I said, why, why are they leaning towards the Atlantic? He says, because the strong winds that come off the ocean buffet against the trees, and the trees have learned to lean against the wind, and they become strengthened because of that. Some, some of the ancient American uh, sailing vessels were built, the hulls were built out of the live oaks of, of Savannah, Georgia, because of the strong sturdiness that they had developed because they were always resisting the wind that would come off of the Atlantic. That's the way it is for us. You're going to lean into what buffets you, but it'll make you stronger for it. And the Lord will sometimes use those tests to motivate us into maturity. Well, Paul continues here. Look look in verse 7. He says, as apostles of Christ... We could have been a burden to you, but we were gentle among you like a mother. Circle, circle mother. King James Bible says like a nurse. It's literally like a nursing mother. We were gentle among you like a, like a mother caring for her little children. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. Surely you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship we worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you He's talking about they're not wanting to be a financial burden so they worked and he didn't just rely on on their offerings because he didn't want them to this young little church getting started he didn't want to be a burden to them and then in verse 10 he says you are witnesses and so is God of how holy righteous and blameless we were among you who believed for you know that we dealt with each of you as a father circle that word as a father Deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. So interestingly, here Paul Paul writes here and he talks very affectionately, very warmly to them, and he says to them that his ministry there at the church of, of Thessalonica was, and he compares to two things. It was like caring like a mom and motivating like a dad. He says, you know, we were gentle among you and he, and he speaks very affectionately about how like a mother is gentle. He says, I was gentle among you, caring, like a mother caring for her little children. We loved you so much. He just, you know, he just speaks here very affectionately, like a nurturing, caring mom. And, and again, specifically, King James says like a nurse because it means like a nursing mother. And so, you know, the scene of a nursing mother, one of the most tender, just gentle expressions of love and affection and care. And he says, this is how I was to you, like, like a mother, uh, in, in that regard. And, um, you know, just such a beautiful, just such a beautiful thing about how just nurturing and caring a mother is. You know, uh, Terry nursed all three of our kids, and it was wonderful in many regards. A, it was cheap. You know, bottles and formulas are expensive. And B, because in the middle of the night when they were crying, I'd be like, they want you Uh, and, you know, they need you. Um, so now we had this thing where I'd go, I'd go get the babies and then, you know, so it was kind of a partner, but then that, then I was done. So (laughs) I'll go get them, but then I'm done. Um, but it's a, it's this very gentle, you know, idea here of just a nursing mom loving her child. And this is the way Paul says, I, I was in one regard to you. And then he says he was also like a father. And he talks here about how I dealt with you like a father deals with his own children. And he uses these three words in verse 12, encouraging, comforting, and urging. So I just kind of summarized it with the word motivating, like a dad. And sometimes a dad motivates with encouragement, sometimes with comfort also. And sometimes urging, you know, exhorting. Challenging uh, his children. And the combination of both is very beautiful here because here, on the one hand, you have like a mother dealing with her children in a very caring, nurturing way. You have a dad who deals with his children in a, a, a motivating way, in a challenging way. And it's not to say that, that dads don't also, you know, nurture and care. And it's not to say that moms don't also motivate and urge, but it's the idea here that in, in a partnership, how they complement each other. And Paul, in using this language about how, Like moms and dads treat and love and care for and encourage and motivate their kids, this is the beautiful aspect of ministry, too. There are sometimes, there are sometimes when you'll come to church, for example, and you just need kind of that comforting message. You just need, like, somebody just speak to me out of God's word, a message of nurture and care. I've had one of those hard days, I've had a hard week, I've had a hard life, and I just need somebody to just love on me like a mom loves her kids and nurtures her her children. And sometimes God's word speaks to us that way, doesn't it? There's some parts of God's word very loving, very comforting, very, very caring towards us. And then there are other times you come to church and you're know, you, and you you're, you're going to have a Bible study and you're going to read some verses that have to do with being motivated and challenged and urged sometimes to do life in a way that you wouldn't normally want to do because you're too comfortable where you are. And sometimes you can read the Bible and the Bible kind of kicks you in the pants from time to time and challenges you. And we need both. You know, I'm thankful when I take my Bible and I have some quiet time with the Lord that there are times he speaks to me very tenderly like a mom who who cares for her children. And there are other times he speaks to me like a dad, just kind of, you know, kicking me in the pants a little bit and challenging me and motivating me to right living. And it's a combination of both. We need both of those things. And so Paul says, I gave you both of those things, like a mom caring and nurturing, like a dad motivating and urging you. To live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Verse 13, and we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of man but as it actually is, the word of God which is at work in you who believe. For you know, for you brothers became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own countrymen the same things those churches suffered from the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and also drove us out. They displease God and are hostile to all men. In their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. In this way, they always heap up their sins to the limit. The wrath of God has come upon them at last. So he speaks to the church here and he says, basically, look, you know, you guys have endured some oppression yourselves, which apparently happened even after Paul was driven out of town by these Judaizers who didn't like the message of Jesus. Paul knows what it is to suffer. And he says to them, and you know what it is too, because at some point they also, for their faith, endured suffering and hardship and opposition from people who didn't like Christ in them either.
1: We're so glad you joined us for this edition of Cornerstone Connection, as Pastor Gary Hamrick teaches through the book of 1 Thessalonians. If you're interested in hearing this message again or others like it, feel free to visit our website at cornerstoneconnection.cc. You can also download our mobile app so you can have these teachings with you on the go. This is a great way to keep up with Pastor Gary's studies and to have encouragement from God's Word at your fingertips. Find a link to download the app for your iPhone or Android device at our website cornerstoneconnection.cc. Once there, simply look under the Teachings tab. You can also learn more about the church this radio ministry originates from, Cornerstone Chapel. We'd be excited to meet you if you're in the area. You'll find all you need to know about service times and other information on our website. Again, that's cornerstoneconnection.cc. We trust you've been encouraged by today's teaching from the book of 1 Thessalonians. And we encourage you to read over today's message on your own. And then make plans to join Pastor Gary again for more from this New Testament letter right here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know